which I think a lot of arts kind of get this kind of thing is like, you don't make any money until you die, or it's just like a side hustle, you'll never be successful in it. And it's like, yeah, to an extent, but if you're really passionate about something, you can find a way to make money doing it. You know, that's anything, especially these days. I mean, the accessibility to market and people and social media, like anything can blow up overnight. Welcome back to another episode of the No More Zero Days podcast. I'm your host, Eric Savage. Our guest today is Justin Aldrich. Justin is an acrylic and epoxy paint artist based in Nashville, Tennessee. He is also a full-time hospitality industry employee, car enthusiast, avid video game player, and East Carolina alum. Today we talk about what it means to have a side hustle, how and where to find your personal happiness, the woes of dating in the modern era, and so much more. So without further ado, episode 31 begins now. Tell me about the first time or how you really decided you wanted to get into painting. In, uh, in my house, my junior year of college, and I was like, you know what? I was like, I need to like, like basically my sophomore year, I was like, man, I need to I need to do something so I stop going out so much. So I bought an Xbox. And then my junior year, I was like, man, you know, Xbox is cool. You know, at that point, I was mostly just watching Netflix and playing Fortnite and stuff like that. But I was uh, scrolling Instagram, and there was this girl that I'd followed from Tumblr like years before. You know, like we were like the same age uh they're like pretty creative but like honestly i just thought she was hot her name was like small tits liz and i was like i was like dude the name is funny i was like she's an artist i was like and i've always had an appreciation for art and so one day she started selling these different paintings i was like oh man these are really cool like i'm artistic like, i could probably do some of these so i jumped in the youtube portal and uh you know kind of looked up like cut pouring paint pouring like messy pouring I fell into this loophole of just like, or not even this loophole, this black hole of just like all these designs, all these different things you could do. And then I was like, you know what? Let's go to AC Moore. So I went over there, bought a ton of colors, ton of blank canvases, and I just started painting outside. It's called like dirty pour, messy pour, you know, anything like that. But basically it's acrylic paint, a uh, pouring medium, water, and then you can use oil in there. And uh, as it mixes in different cups or on the canvas, you get all these different designs and cells and, and color mixing and just all types of different things. Um, and you get more creative with it. So I've learned how to use like the hair dryer, the heat gun. Um, I've used a lighter before, you know, different things like that. I've used an air compressor uh, just to kind of get different designs. But basically my first couple ones, you know, I was just doing it in the garage. You know, I was just bored. I was just, you know, this is like an outlet. This is something creative I can do where I can, I can make something I can feel accomplished. You know, I can, I can get this stuff done, you know, and then after a day of classes or, you know, playing basketball at the rec, whatever it is, you know, something's nice to like, have that period just kind of like mellow out like me time like i'm going to do this and then i'll go do my homework or then i'll go to the library so as i'm going you know i'm i'm doing these things i'm throwing them up on snapchat and people are swiping up and they're like dude these are sick man like are you selling these it's like if you're buying i'm selling you know so at that point like oh what are your prices so my thing's always been i'm going to price cheap so i can get my work out there you know i want people to have my work i want people to be able to have access to art and i want to be able to like create you know if it comes down to your budget's 20 bucks and I usually sell for 30. Guess what? You're getting a discount. Like I'll sell you this canvas for 20. And there's even times where I'll take all the spillage from other canvases to create new canvases. And then people like those more than the originals. So I'm like, uh, on one hand, it's like, man, where can I win? On the other hand, it's like, where can I not win? You know, so it's just, there's no limits when you're a creative, you know, and you probably know that from doing video and, and photos and stuff like that. You know, it's like, what can I do? What can I do? You know, so you just kind of, get the inspiration from the clients and just kind of go from there. But the one thing that's just like so hard is like the barrier of entry. It's like, man, I got to go mix paints for an hour and I got to prep a canvas and then I can paint and then I got to hit it with a heat gun and then I got to let it dry. And then now like I got to hope it doesn't freeze. That's my biggest problem right now is I got three canvases that look great. All three of them froze overnight. And so they completely shattered. It's just one of those things like, there's challenges with everything. You know, you overcome them, you feel the accomplishment. You know, so that's kind of the other thing. You know, everybody has a side hustle. You know, everybody needs something that's like, you can get fulfillment from like outside of your daily task, whether it's school, work, anything like that. You know, being a parent, you know, have something that's like fun and enjoyable. It's just like, I can breathe. I can do whatever I want. I can be creative. I can have fun. You know, even just like reading or something like that, like where you can exit your current world and almost like enter another world, which sounds like way deeper than it should be. It's just like, don't let the work stuff stress you out. Like, 
have something to, like step back into besides just like your own thoughts. We live in a city that I've oftentimes noticed that a lot of people explain to me as a new Nashville resident of like, we live in the city of side hustles. So, you know, everyone's, uh, you know, they may tell you when you ask them, well, what do you do for a living? Whatever their first answer is, it's probably not actually what they're hoping for. It's usually whatever their second thing is. Um, and I don't think that's bad. I probably agree with you there, but I'm curious what, and I know you just kind of touched on it, but I want to dig a little bit deeper into this idea of like fulfillment through a side hustle, because I think, you know, there was a time in my life where my side hustle is now my primary income. And so I think that a lot of times the term side hustle has been very much like stereotyped to, Hey, your side hustle is this thing that you're doing that you hope will then eventually, um, become your primary income earner or become your quote dream job or whatever. And you, you can't quite get there. And so I think that is in, in fact an element of side hustle or a true definition, if you will. But I think there's the other part where, and I don't want to speak for you where I don't know if you're necessarily aspiring to be an artist as a full-time, you know, job. And, and if you are, that's cool too. And explain that. But I think kind of what you touched on just a second ago, is it's so important to have these side hustles or have these outlets where it's not just like like everybody I met in Atlanta needs to have a side hustle because people are stressed out of their minds because all they do is work, work, work. They get up early, work, they stay home, work, and there's just no, they get so burnt out. So I think there is that kind of uh, therapeutic side of the term side hustle that I think has been kind of pushed down and forgotten in 2020 and beyond. So I just want to give you the opportunity to speak a little bit more into that of have you felt like painting has made you overall a better boyfriend, a better brother, a better employee at your primary job? Has it not? Like what what for you about the side hustle is so appealing or what are the benefits you think for people? You're doing this thing that you enjoy that's bringing you either monetary or spiritual or whatever, you, whatever it is type of fulfillment. And then you have this other thing that's kind of going on on the side. So that could be, you know, the stress of your family, your work, uh, maybe your primary job, whatever it is, or maybe you're like a kid in school, you know, something like that. And so as you're pursuing these things, you know, for some people, it's a means to an end. And some people, it's like a means to no end. I think that's how the sayings go. Um, so just as like, I'm doing the art stuff, you know, one of the girls from work actually asked me, she was like, if you could quit this job and do art full time, would you? And it was the first time anybody's ever asked me that because most people are like, oh, cool. Like you do it on the side. And it's always been kind of pushed off as like, which I think a lot of arts kind of get this kind of thing is like, you don't make any money until you die. Or it's just like a side hustle. You'll never be successful in it. And it's like, yeah, to an extent, but if you're really passionate about something or if you really care about something, you can find a way to make money doing it. You know, that's anything, especially these days. I mean, the accessibility to market and people and social media, like, I guess more so through social media. I mean, you can, anything can blow up overnight, anything can blow up in an hour. You know, I could put out a tweet right now, maybe not in this moment, but if I had time, I could put out a tweet that goes viral, then my art blows up, which has happened before. I had a tweet that had like four and a half, five million views. I made a funny comment about Jersey Shore and I was like, boom, post my art picture underneath it. And then my art pictures had like 500,000 views and I got like 10 sales. So I'm like, man, like 500,000 people saw this thing and only 10 people wanted to buy something. I was like, and the worst part was I only had like 20 like inquiries about it. So I was like, man, these numbers just don't make sense. So maybe I'm just not good at social media, but you know, it's like as these things, you're looking back, like kind of looping it back around, and, you know, with these side hustles, like if I could quit my job today and do anything, I think art would always be like truly something on the side that I enjoy just from the creative aspect but I would do something else, like maybe going to like architecture or basketball coaching or something like that. Like something that I'm more passionate about that I could do long-term because I don't think for me that the art would be sustainable one financially, even though I have seen a lot of artists really thrive during COVID because I've had so much extra time to do things. I just don't think I'm passionate enough about it to want to commit to that full time over something else. But I guess the other thing with like side hustles, you know, looking at my dad, like he's like one of the biggest influences of like side hustles for me. Cause like he went to school for like social work. So he's like always been great with people. You know, he's 
talked so many people off a ledge. Like that dude is not only as a, a father, as a hero, but like he's literally saved lives. Like a dude called him one time. was like, Hey man, is this tiger? He's like, yeah, what's going on, dude. It was just a number he didn't have saved. Cause he had gone through multiple phones and this and that. He's like, dude, I can't remember the guy's real name, but let's say his name was Eric. He's like, man, this is, this is Eric Savage. I just wanted to give you a call and say, thank you, man. You saved my life. I was like, Oh yeah. I remember you. Like, what do you mean? He's like, you know, what was, what was the conversation? What was going on? He's like, dude, I was there in the middle of the night and this is paraphrase. So I'm, I'm definitely butchering this story a little bit, but basically the, the base of it was, he's like, look, man, I called you in the middle of the night one night on the, uh, on the crisis phone. And, uh, if you wouldn't have answered, he's like, I was, I was literally going to kill myself. And it's like, my dad just had a conversation with him. Like that dude didn't say anything about it. The whole conversation. He just wanted somebody to answer it, talk to him and just have like a normal conversation like me and you are. And, Kind of the reason I bring that up is like my dad is really, really good with people and he's passionate about it. But just watching him, he's more passionate about like basketball. Like that dude, his favorite quote to use on us is like, I've forgotten more basketball than you know right now in your life. And I'm like, damn, got me again. Because there's nothing I can do, because it's it's so true. Like the the connections he has, the the ability he has to watch a play one time and immediately write it up and then teach us or explain it to us. Like he was doing this before he could pause and rewind. He was like, you see that what happened right now. So he would show us what happened, like on like a whiteboard or just like with his hands or whatever it was. And that's like his true passion. But growing up, he was also like a bouncer on the weekends and it was just a couple hundred bucks a night, whatever it was like all cash. And then he could use that for other things like basketball, buying us gifts, like, just kicking it we got to eat like a little fun stuff but thing is like also my dad's like at the time when he was bouncing he was like six nine like three something so you gotta understand like as a bouncer as a coach as like a person doing like therapy like this is a big dude so like you think about you're in like a therapy session you're like yeah man i'm just not feeling that great and he got this big six nine three something dude looking at you saying oh tell me about it and then but like you're not even intimidated. You're like, welcome. You're like, man, like, let me just tell you, let me just open up to you about this. And then you work through it. Basketball court. I just know there was times where I would go to his practices and he would look at me and he would say, look, I need you to leave the gym. I'm going to say some words right now that you can't hear. And he would just kick me out of the gym. And he would yell at his college guys and he'd open the door and say, all right, you can come back in. As so I don't know what that intimidation factor looked like. Cause he's gotten on me as a coach. And like, it wasn't that bad. But I'm thinking about these college guys. I'm like, damn, he was really giving it to these guys. These guys aren't even on scholarship. They're a JUCO paying for school, like the Pell Grant. So I'm like, man, these guys are paying for school and getting yelled at like this. And then I was thinking, man, the D1 guys, I bet they're getting their asses handed to them every day. <laughs> but it's just one of those things where, you know, having a side hustle, you know, it's like being a bouncer. My dad's good at it. You know, he knew a bunch of chokeholds, knew how to fight people, and you had to throw people out. You know, and they just his social work side would come out. He's like, look, man, you really don't want to do this. Like, if you swing on me, I'm going to knock you out. But his calm demeanor, which I definitely get from him, the dude's like, yeah, you know what? I think I am going to go home. And it's just like, there's so many stories like that where it's like, just these different things kind of go like from one profession to another. But it's like, you know, he's good at being a bouncer. He's great at being a coach. He's really passionate about it. He's really good with people, you know? And so it's like, those things definitely translated into me. You know, my mom, like she did multiple things as well. For me, it's like, what can I do to make myself like a better version of me? And it's not like every time I do a canvas or I'm working out playing basketball or whatever it is, or working out with somebody doing basketball, it's not like I'm like, man, how is this going to make me a better person? But at some point, all this stuff kind of loops back together. But it's like, like you almost touched, like you kind of touched on earlier. Don't let that thing, like your dream is always out there. And you never actually reach it. You never actually grasp it. You know, you're always chasing it. But it's like, you know, people always make fun of Meek Mill. Like, man, he's got Dream Chasers 1, Dream Chasers 2. Then he put out Dream Chasers 3. It's like, damn, is he ever going to catch his dreams? Or is he just always chasing them? You know, it's like, kind of got to think about that. Like, you always have these goals. And you're always chasing these goals. But at some point, you got to reach them. You know, otherwise, it's it's a goal that's out of reach, which is okay. But it's like... You have to realize, okay, maybe I need to tone it down a little bit, reach this goal that's halfway there, 
and then go another halfway to get to like the end game. You know what I mean? I'm curious because I feel like, again, in kind of the photo video space, there is still definitely a lane or need for people that really know what they're doing. But in my opinion, like uh, just what I've seen in my experience is because the supply is so large for, you know, great photographers, great videographers, like the overall price of what clients or people are willing to pay is so much lower because they're like, well, why would I pay you $500 when I can pay, you know, Joe Schmo $300? And yeah, you might be slightly better than him, but for $200 difference, I don't know. So I'm curious, has social media really kind of, I don't want to say cheapened because I don't think that's the right word, but uh, specifically with TikTok, like I've seen a lot of people that have like art pages that are selling stuff. And I would imagine there's a lot of people that are trying to imitate that or they look at that and they're like, oh, that's easy. Like I can do that. Like, mm-hmm. so my, my question is like, how has social media in your opinion kind of impacted? Cause I know you briefly kind of touched on the opportunity if you shared the Twitter example. So I guess that's probably a positive instance where more people are seeing it. I'm not necessarily looking for a negative answer, but just more squarely asking you the question of, like how has social media impacted kind of the independent artist community or this kind of, uh, I don't want to say like TikTok painter because that's probably not the right term, but I've just seen there's so many people that I think had social media never shown up on scene, not saying that their work is crap, but like they may not be the person that they are today as an artist. I think uh, greed is a big thing. Um, Because as you look at these people that are popping up and kind of that mentality of, oh, that's easy, I can do that. You know, it's like, why do you think you should do that? For me, I saw this art and I was like, oh, wow, like, I could do that. And it was like a challenge or something I wanted to do for myself. And so I still have like probably one or two of those canvases I did like my junior year of college because it was just for me and then other people took interest. But it's just, as, you, as you look at these things, it's like some people are in it just for the money. They're like, oh, I can do this. I can buy a $5 canvas and sell it for 50 which I've seen tons of people do. And for me, it's like, I just can't do that. Like when I see something like that, it's like, I know I'm putting in my time and effort and people are saying, you know, your time is invaluable and this and that. Like, yeah, it is. But I'm also not trying to screw people over or like, you know, gatekeep this information. Like there was like three or four people that are like, oh, how do you do this? I was like, here's my card. I was like, explained everything to them. I was like, if you have any questions, I like, shoot me a message. I was like, I'll even come to your house and we can paint together. Because for me, it's like, if I can share that, even my little brother picked it up. You know, he's like always been like sports, 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 going to the NBA, going to college, like this and that. And then he started painting when he saw me do it. I'm like, man, I inspired this little joker to start painting. And he always wants to act all hard and act like a so hard ass and stuff like that. And, you know, that dude loves to paint. Like, and not that painting's soft, but like, he's not this little hard exterior that he tries to pass off with his friends and with his other brothers and stuff. But I'm like, you know, I inspired him, you know, can I inspire other people? You know, can I continue to, like I was saying, you know, share this artwork with other people? So you said something that was really interesting to me and reminded me of the point that continually blows my mind when you talked about your little brother, you talked about him picking up a paintbrush. And the thing that blows my mind is like, what if LeBron James had like never picked up a basketball? Like what if, Michael Jordan had all of a sudden got the baseball itch like five, 10 years previously did and never went on to do all the stuff he did. So I guess kind of what I'm this, the question I'm setting up is or really it's more of just like a thought for your comment. Cause I just think it's interesting that I always think about like, for me, I'm like, what if there's something that I'm actually really good at or really passionate about that I go through all my life until I'm like this old man and then all of a sudden figure it out. I definitely think you could probably spend the less the rest of your life having this feeling of FOMO, of fear of missing out, and continually just going from chat to fad to fad to fad. Or I know you probably have friends like this. I have friends like this who just are continually chasing the hottest thing or just trying something because all of a sudden it didn't work out. They stuck with one thing for a few months. And now they're like, well, now I'm going to be a painter, and now I'm going to be a photographer, and now I'm going to be whatever. You can't, and I think that's kind of where you're going with it. You- it's like you want to be multifaceted, but you can't just bounce to everything because you, I'm not like you shouldn't limit yourself, but at some point you kind of have to have a realization of like, okay, there's only but so much I can do. Like maybe I should focus more on just this small group of things instead of like 10 things. Like maybe I should be like care about these 10 things and be interested in them. But like 
maybe just focus really, really hard on these three because these are what I'm passionate about, what I'm good at. You know, it's like, like you do photo and video and then like, I just saw some of your Photoshop skills, which you'd probably say, oh, that's like low end, not impressive. But like for me, I'm like, oh shit, man, this guy just, he took the glare out of my glasses. Like this is unseen. I've never seen this before. But you mentioned one time that, you know, you enjoy the video and like, obviously you're good at it for anybody that's seen your stuff, but that you were, and if I misquote you on this, you were, you were something like you were more passionate about taking photos and like the still pictures. And it's just interesting that, you know, you've realized that, you know, media is your thing. And you're like, I love photos and I'm good at it. And I'm also really good at video, but sometimes it's like videos more sustainable or more where the money is at. And granted, I'm speaking to somebody that has no experience in this market, but it's just interesting how it's like, you've taken multiple things that you were good at or interested in, and then you've narrowed it down to two. And those are two things that you're really good at and passionate about. And one just slightly more but you're still to be able to, able to be successful in both and kind of integrate both of those in your life professionally and this and that. And so it's like, look at my little brothers, you know, Jace, the one that's six. I mean, that kid played a soccer game at 11 AM and then drove across town and played a football game at like 12 or 1230, you know, and it's like kids getting interceptions, you know, if he could throw the ball to himself and score a touchdown, he would because he grew up with like older brothers. So he's just always been an athlete just from hanging out with us. With his thing, uh, between him and Jeremy, like, Jeremy's the one that's a junior in high school. He's the one that would, like, painting more. But then Jay saw that, and he was like, I want to paint. We are like, hey, whoa, 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 I thought you wanted to play sports. So like, we came outside to kick the soccer ball around, and now we're going to go paint. He's like, no, I want to paint now. But it's literally like, you know, Jeremy saw me, and then Jay saw Jeremy. And then Jay's like, oh, I want to these guys. You know, so it's, you're always getting inspired by stuff and this and that. So changing gears a little bit, because I feel like we could just continue for a whole other hour talking about this whole idea of side hustles and passions and because all that stuff just really interests me. And I think it's just an interesting moment in time where like this generation, like our parents generation was was about like, you need to pick something that's going to make you a lot of money so that you can raise a family and afford all that. And seriously, then, man, seriously, I, I really feel like there were like all these parents now that have like this like resentment towards their parents or like that time period because they ended up picking something that they like hated or they were miserable and they're like you know shaking their finger like you made me pick one thing yeah, you like or even towards like our generation of like pick something you're passionate about but they still kind of have that chip on the shoulder like but make sure it makes you money and, and then i think like us and then if you kind of go forwards into like the tiktok age you know right now it's like People are, it's kind of funny actually now that I think about how it went full circle because, in just my opinion, like certainly, yes, that TikTok generation right now is still like, it's cool to like be a content creator or whatever, but it's funny how it kind of went from like our parents' generation was like forced of like only pick things, doctors, lawyers, all these things were put on pedestals. And then our generation or kind of the millennial stuff was like, Eh, but like side hustles and figuring out who you really are. And maybe there's some things that we're all actually naturally gifted at that we should probably pursue regardless of money. And then I kind of feel like then now it's kind of coming back full circle of like pick things that make you money, but it just so happens that it's cool and trendy to be a content creator. But it's like whenever people talk about like video game streaming or being an influencer in all reality, they're doing it because of the money or they're like, they're desiring it for the money, which is funny how it's like, different but same same to you know like, yeah, it's, like it's something they're having fun doing but they're making like a ton of money on it or they're making like enough money on it but like even my grandma like on my dad's side like she worked the same job like the way my dad explains it like her entire life like she worked that same job and then she did a little bit of avon on the side like once she was like once she was my grandma like once i was like born and stuff like that and it's like you know my parents are like one job kind of doing a little bit of other stuff you know kind of dabbling and then like kids our generation like i know people have had like three different career paths like they were in sales and marketing and then they were like straight business finance which i guess it's all business and then they're in like hospitality and they're like like they're in something totally different and it's like whether they try to go to, like medical school or do something like a like nursing or just like random thing i know nursing and then being like yo like they did finance now they're a nurse like makes no sense at all but, you know, they would just do these things where it's, like, just very sporadic. It's, like, all these jobs within a year or for only a year or less than a year, just three completely different career paths. Even people that have been in the, the careers for, like, 10 years, they're, like, yeah, I'm kind of done with this. You know, like, I'm, I'm done with hotels. I think I'm 
we go to a restaurant and it's like, dude, you know nothing about food. And they're like, yeah, but I like to eat. I think I can figure it out. It's like, man, that's awesome. Like, you, you do that. You go start that restaurant. I'll eat there. I mean, I'll eat anything. You know, I'll, I'll come support you. So I, I feel like the million dollar question I want to ask you is what do you feel like is the balance or what is that point where trying different things, whether that's professionally or side hustle, where you're kind of jumping from thing to thing, what is that balance or that point where you feel like the difference between being healthy and unhealthy, healthy being, in my opinion, that, hey, you just truly haven't found your passion yet or something that you're like, man, I want to spend the rest of forever doing. And then the unhealthy version of that being kind of that clout chaser for better terms that we talked about or someone who's not willing to stick with things because i think there is something to be said about you really aren't going to fully lean into something or understand if this is for you or not if you don't stick around long enough because i think all of us hospitality content creation painting whatever you want to talk about like there are adverse moments we have to go through or there are times where we're kind of like at least for me, it's like, oh, do I really want to do this? Like, if I went and did this, it would be easier. Wouldn't it be fun to try something new? But then I, like, think back and I soul search. and I'm like, wow, I'm just, it's really more, I'm not feeling fulfilled right now or I'm not feeling worthy or I'm not feeling good enough. And that feeling passes, you know, when a new client comes along or something. And so it's like, I really don't need to jump ship because this is what I'm passionate about. Or I get, you know, maybe for you, it's a, a new painting or for me, it's like a new client and then you really fall in love with it. And you're like, Oh yes, this is actually what I really love doing. So do you feel like there is an unhealthy and healthy version to trying new things recently? Like in like August, kind of, I was at a point where my girlfriend had just moved to Arizona. Uh, so we were doing long distance for the first time. She's like, my first girlfriend, like I've ever got gassed out. And so it's like, that was like a big deal. I'm like, Oh man, everybody in a long distance relationship. It's terrible. Like they just break up. So I'm, I'm already panicking and distressed about that. And then work with COVID, I work in a hotel. So if anybody knows about travel right now, our markets are just like in the dumper, man. Like, you know, so I was out there just cleaning rooms every day and doing laundry and just like stuff that you can do for like a day. But then we're doing like, week over week like it just drains you and then we were bringing housekeepers back we we're getting busier and then it was like just stressful you know and then i had some lease stuff going on with the house here and it was just like all these things were just like stressing me out i mean my perception was my flame is burning out but the reality was it was burning just fine like it was a little bit dimmer you know it was just it was more mental on me and i sat down with my boss and i was like look dan like which he's a great guy, great role model. I mean, since day one, like when I did a phone every interview with him, like we always connected and he's been a huge role model and, and person I look up to like professionally and even as a friend, but he's just one of those people where, you know, I sat him down. I was like, man, I'm just, I'm kind of burned out. I was like, I've been doing the housekeeping thing for like two years. You know, I, I learned the front desk, I mastered it. You know, I was really looking forward to this kind of promotion, but then COVID hit. So we laid off a ton of people. They said no more bonuses, no promotions, like nothing. And so for me, it was like my career came to a halt in like March. And then all those other things happened throughout COVID. And then it was like, okay, like, like now what can I do? Like I can't, there's no opportunities for me to learn the front desk because they had the manager and the AGM running the front desk, which means there's no opportunity for me to, because I'm running my department. And then like I was talking about earlier with everything else going on, I was like, yeah, I just got to leave Nashville. I was like, there's just nothing here for me. But the reality of the situation was he was like, look, man, I think you're, you're reacting. He was basically like, I'm not trying to downplay your feelings or where you're coming from. He's like, I get it. He's like, and he just really opened up to me. He's like, I've been in that position. He's like, even as an adult, like in my twenties, thirties, he's like, even almost now, he's like, I've gotten to that point where I was like, man, I just quit this job or just wait till I get fired just moved back on my parents. And for me, I was like, wow, like here's this guy I look up to this, this powerful person, this, this influential person at my job. And it's just like, this guy's been through the same thing. It took somebody else like talking to Dan to really calm me down and just be like, look, man, like let's look at this realistically. Cause one thing he said, he's like, you're not going to move home. He's like, I know you. He's like, I know 
you wouldn't do well in online classes. He's like, because I know you kind of need somebody on you sometimes to keep you focused. And I was like, I could do it. But in my head, I'm like, yeah, he's right. I'd be out of there in a semester. Like, I need to be in a classroom, like that kind of thing. That's where I thrive is in a classroom, in a setting, that kind of thing. Yeah, I always found, at least in my own life experience, that for whatever reason, I was chasing certain job titles and I thought that job titles were going to bring me happiness of like, oh, I want to, I need to be a CEO or I need to be a regional manager. I need to be whatever. And then I'll be happy. And then not saying I became regional manager or CEO, but like as I progressed in my career and made more money and made less money in certain places, I was like, wow, I, I'm just as happy. And so at least for me, what I've learned in almost 30 years of being on earth is that I feel like we need to stop chasing job titles and start figuring out what is it about those job titles that are making us happy. Cause I don't want to be the person that sits there and just be like, it's bad to be a CEO or, you know, you shouldn't chase money or money doesn't make you happy or whatever. I, I feel like that pushes you in the wrong direction because I think for some people like being financially stable or, or being in a wealth type position does make them happy. And so I'm not here to judge, but I think behind and kind of what you talked about even earlier about your dad, but even what I've learned in my life now is just like, what are those things? So for me, it's, I love to be around people. It's like why I have this podcast. Like I love to put other people on who I know are doing all the right things and, you know, deserve like an air quotes, the spotlight. Cause I don't really have much of a spotlight to share, but whatever. No, when cool I do, You're I do share. a platform to share. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. And so it's just like, and that's even what I scratches my itch when I own my own company and do all the photo and video stuff is like, I really enjoy meeting with clients or, or you know, musical artists or brands or whatever, or, or influencers and like making them seen in their best light, which is the same kind of what we're doing today on the podcast. And so like, I've really learned like, that's ultimately what makes me happy. It's not that I own my own company. It's not that in the past I've, you know, run marketing departments or made all this money or what have you. And so I think that we need to stop looking at things on like from a resume perspective of like, or a job title perspective and realize none of that's going to make us happy. But instead think about like, what are those thematics that ultimately really get us out of bed? Because otherwise we're just going to spend the rest of our life like trying to say, well, I'll be happy when this happens. Because I used to be one of those guys. Like when I came out of college, I was like, I'll be happy when I make X amount, you know, of money. And then I got to that point and I was like, well, maybe it's because I need to be making this much money. Maybe I need a little bit more. Right. And the, and I think the same can be said and it's easily portrayed as you kind of talked about in relationships because it's like, you know, we live in this era, in my opinion, where a lot of single people are, again, in my opinion, my experience are like, have this like imaginary checklist of like, he needs to be at least six feet tall and athletic, but not, you know, not too much of a mean guy, but like, I don't want a pushover guy. I want someone to compliment me, but I don't want a brown noser. He needs to have enough money. He needs to have facial hair, but you know, it's all these just like silly things that it's just like, you're never going to, you know, find happiness because at least in my opinion, like true happiness isn't really going to come till you like commit to something, whether it's a job or a person, you know, it's like that, analogy of like okay well if you want a tree to grow you're not going to continually keep uprooting the seed you know after a little seedling like it's going to die it's never yeah, going to grow you can't just keep potential. checking like hey are you, are you ready yet like, yeah or like oh let's go try it on like you know the soil down here maybe the soil in tennessee is better maybe the soil in georgia and you're like continually just hopping around and never like grows it's like at some point you got to plant the seed and just foster it into like we'll see what happens because i mean using your tree reference another analogy sorry guys you just got to plant the tree and just let it happen, man. If it dies, hey, you can plant more trees. I mean, you can continuously do that, but like, you can't just give up on everything you start. I just feel like that's the challenge that we all face as young people or old people in, in 2020 and beyond is this idea of like, there's so much access to people on dating apps, to new job opportunities on LinkedIn, to a perspective of keeping up with the Joneses of your neighbors or your cousins or your friends because of social media. And you see oh, new car, hashtag blessed post or whatever. And so I I feel like it's so easy to just literally both subconsciously and consciously just like caught in this like rat race of like chasing this imaginary like finish line of like what we think will make us happy. Like I'll be happy when X happens. I'll be happy when my husband or wife or girlfriend loses weight or gets a bigger butt or whatever. Like, and then like these things happen 
because we're all like chasing these external things and i think we all need to look like internal so i guess that's just the point i was trying to make is like we live in this society in this world that has so much more accessibility than ever before in the in the history of this planet and yet like depression is on the rise like suicides on the rise like drug use is on the rise like divorce rates are spiraling you know it's just like crazy that we should be happier because we have more access to things and yet it's driving us crazy and that's what i think that we've just done a poor job and i think that also our generation is an interesting place where it's up to us to educate the younger folks of like the dangers of these things because i don't know about your parents but like my parents weren't like the most social media savvy people like that generation doesn't know how to handle like giving advice you know to someone about dating when online apps are now like the new normal or all these things like you know what i'm saying like it's an interesting point that i spent a lot of time thinking about and not to like discount my parents or like older people because i that's not the point of what i want people to take away oh yeah not at all it's just that i feel like we're at this really interesting moment in history where and i mean this with all respect but like so much of their advice is no longer relevant or or how it played or i'll guess say the thematics may be relevant and they are because they're true because certain things like not cheating on people like that will forever stand the test of time or working hard at your job or applying yourself or showing up not drunk like that will stand the test of time. But like, I guess tactically, some of these things or situations like our parents or that generation have never faced. And so they don't know how to face it. Like they're not on Instagram. Every day. They don't understand how DMs work. They don't understand how all this apps. So it's just like it's up to us because I like heard this quote the other day and it's so true. It's like what the previous uh, generation tolerates the next generation embraces. And so it's like, if we just tolerate this idea that like we weren't taught how to, you know, be healthy online or how to not deal with, or how to, you know, not always chase cloud or like chase the likes. If we just kind of say like, ah, screw it. Like they'll figure it out. It's like the next generation will absolutely just fall and crumble at that. Uh, I guess one of the big things that stuck out even through like this whole podcast or this whole this whole segment where we've been sitting here talking is uh the j cole song uh love yours where basically the the concept of the song is like no matter what you do there's always going to be something better and he talks about things like there's always gonna be a car that's nicer a house that's bigger a yard that's nicer you know grass that's greener a girl with a bigger butt you know a more successful kid whatever it is like there's always going to be something that's better. And it's like, if I said, Eric, are you okay with your job? Do you feel like you're happy with it? Or do you feel like you're settling with where you're at? And basically my perception of the song is like, you know, you have to appreciate what you have and take it for what it's worth and know that this is for you, or this is the best you've done or the best for you. But don't let it get confused with your settling because how some people see things as like, man, I got the brand new Ferrari. And somebody else gets one nicer, they're like, oh, I settled for this one. It's like, no, no, no. You didn't settle for that one. You still got a Ferrari. You still got a hot wife. You still got a nice wife. You know, you still have, like, these things that are great for you that work with your lifestyle. Just because there's nicer physical things doesn't mean that you settled. Like, these are things that, that you, you can learn to appreciate or that you've already learned to appreciate. And to your point, you can't sit there and compare things. And with the social media, it's, there's so much access to modes of happiness. But like you were saying, people are more sad for lack of a better term. You know, it's you get on social media and you can be inspired. You know, I found an artist that inspired me to do art and get back into being creative because I hadn't done art since like art one in high school, you know? So it's like you see these things and you can be inspired or I see a dude that's taller than me and I'm like, man, I wish I was taller. I'd get so many more girls if I was taller. And then this guy might be looking at me like, man, I wish I was shorter so I could find pants that fit. Because that's a struggle I have, man. Finding pants that are long enough and fit in the waist, impossible, man. It's just one of those things where it's like, appreciate what you have because there's always going to be something better to some extent. They're kind of pivoting over to like parents' advice. One thing that my dad told me, cause like, sounds funny story. Like in middle school, I transferred, like we were in one of the neighborhoods where if you lived on one side of the street, you got bused downtown. If you lived on the other side of the street, you went to like the local middle school. So the sixth grade, I got bused downtown. It was like, quote, the school in the hood. 
still decent diversity, whatever, but like all my good friends were this other one, like near my neighborhood. So I transferred. There were so many good looking girls over there in like seventh grade. I was a new guy, I'm tall, nice skin, nobody seen me before. I felt like I was the shit. But this is like middle school. Like most you're doing is like hugging. Some people were getting kisses. It was like, whoa, they're moving fast. But like seventh grade, which I'm not proud of, I dated, quote, dated somewhere like for half a day, somewhere a day, like seven or eight girls in like an eight day period. And it was like one of them, my buddy, he was like, yo, we'll call her Stephanie. Uh, but my friend was like, yo, what do you think about Stephanie? And I was like, <laughs> and I was like, oh, I was like, she's cute. Like she's, she's pretty hot. They're like, oh, cool. We told her you liked her and we asked her out for you. So uh, y'all date now. We're glad you said yes. And I was like dating this girl. And I was like, yo, I just broke up with this other girl before lunch. And they're like, oh, you date her now. She's got a volleyball game. Go give her a hug. I was like, what? So I was like, yo, can I get to the bathroom? So I went out in the hallway, gave her a hug, and I said, like, good luck. And then she broke up with me the next morning. She's like, I just don't think I know you well enough. As I, I was telling my dad about it, he's like, oh, how's school? And I was like, man, it's great. I got this new girlfriend. And it was like different girls every day. And some of them were just like, we talk at like lunch or something. And it was like, middle school is an alternate reality. Like that time, ridiculous. And my dad was like, look. He's like, you need to become friends with these girls before you can date them. Like, you want to date your best friends, so you need to become friends with these girls. That advice was good until I got friend zoned by every single girl in middle school and high school. And I was like, damn it, dad. Like, no, I'm only friends with these girls. Like, where's the balance? And mom's like, you better treat women with respect. Don't ever be mean to them. This and that. Like, your dad's right. You need to be friends with them. I'm like, son of a bitch. What, what am I supposed to do here? Like, I'm just. Yes, I was I was super friends in high school by a ton of girls. I was like, you know what? It is what it is. Like, life goes on. High school is too long ago. But uh, it's it's just an example of like the advice for like when my parents were growing up. You know, you'd have to call somebody's house, and then like their parents would answer the phone. Like, hey, what's up, Mister Whatever? Like, can I speak to Justin? And it's like that was a big thing. Like, you had to meet the parents. You had to be the friend. Like this and that. You had to like go hang out with people, and like be their friend or you do like the group hangouts and be friends with them. And now for us, it's like, I met my girlfriend on Tinder and like trying to explain that to my grandparents. Oh my God. They're like, well, can you show us? I was like, no, if I still had Tinder now, this would not, this would be a different conversation. <laughs> you know, so I'm trying to explain to them like, you know, I have my phone in my hand. I'm like, basically there's a bunch of pictures of girls and they have profiles. And they're like, so you just pick which ones you think look good. And my shallow answer, I was like, hell yeah. But then realistically, I was like, no, I can't say that. I was like, well, initially, just like if you're in person, I was like, you see what they look like. You're like, oh, this person's attractive. But instead of asking them or having a conversation, I was like, you can just read about them. I was like, and then you just make your decision. You kind of skip the small talk and do the small talk later. And they're like, man, that's ridiculous. It's kind of like online shopping almost. And it's funny because Martin, our other roommate, said that too. He's like, man, it's like online shopping. He's like, all these people you're just like yes no yes no super yes and you know there's these super likes and these boosts and all this crazy stuff which yeah i paid for tender gold at one point i i attribute that to meet my girlfriend but you know not my proudest moment but you know it's a proud moment now but it's just one of those things where it, it's such a different thing because like our parents especially if like your parents are together will never understand online dating because they'll see like the match.com but unless they're actually on Tinder, Hinge, Bumble, Grinder, I mean anything, like your parents will never never truly understand unless you let them sit there with you while you're going through these apps. And I don't think anybody listening to this wants their parent to sit with them on an app, on like a dating app, while they swipe and then get messages or receive messages. And ladies I know you don't want your parents to see the messages you get because I can only imagine how bad they are based on what I've seen and what I've seen sent from my friends and the girls I know. Like it's, it, it's ridiculous, but it's just one of those things where, you know, it's just that generational difference, but it's just, it's just one of the things where it's like, you know, the, these generational differences, even 10 years with how fast technology moves, like it's so different. Like even my little brothers explain things to me. I'm like, I know that is like even acronyms. And it's just like, it's one of the same. Like there's so much access to all these different things. And it's like, somehow it's all designed to like get you some type of happiness or 
you know, not necessarily from fulfillment. I feel like I've been saying that a lot, but you know, it's like, where does it end? Like where at some point, speaking of what you were saying, where it's like everything loops back around, it's like at some point, and you even see it now where girls like, I just want like a dude that'll take me on a real date. And it's true. Cause like, I know you're this kind of guy where it's like, you appreciate and enjoy like going on a date with somebody. And I'm kind of like that too. Cause like, that's how my parents raised me. I was like, Oh, we're talking. They're like, what does that mean? Like, are you dating or is it like, and they really are the ones that kind of like brought me back to reality with like this whole like talking stage kind of thing where it's like, well, what does that mean? And so like in college, it was like, I would talk to girls, which was like, Oh, you're just literally talking or like you see him at the bar, you go buy a couple drinks, like it's whatever. Then like, that's it. Like then you see him the next weekend, but then like actually talking is more equivalent to like dating or like going out more so. And then like dating's like, Hey, we're together we're in a relationship. We're exclusive, all those terms for it. But it's just one of the things where it's like, my brother's like, Oh yeah, I'm talking to this girl. I'm like, yeah, like I get that. But like, you know, you're just talking, you know? And then like Megan, the stallion, she's got a line in her new album where she's like, you know, some like this dude says he's talking to me, but really he's just messaging himself. Like this dude claims he's talking to her, but he's just sending just unanswered messages you know, unanswered DMs. And it's just a funny concept how like the perception is different. Yeah, you know, people are like, yo, I'm talking to this this dude named Eric. Like, oh shit, girl, like what's he like? And it's like, oh, I don't really know. He has a message me back. What? Like it's just it's just a funny concept how those things are different now. You know, the, the the perceptions and what's acceptable and then what people let get by also. You know, it's like girls and guys let people just treat them like crap. And it's like partially you know you're going to think like okay how you link things back it's like hey what did your parents treat you was acceptable or what did your parents like kind of show you was acceptable because i've tried to talk to girls they're like oh if you won't take me out like i don't want anything to do with you it's like yeah i respect that i had one girl she was like uh we're actually like really good friends was like we were only ever going to be friends anyways i think but she was like yeah i mean if we're not gonna have a title like there's no point in us hanging out I was like, yeah, I mean, I'm, I don't think I want to date you. Nothing against you. I was like, I'm about to graduate. You're still going to be in college. I just don't think dating is realistic. And we were like, yeah, we'll just be friends. But then other people were like, yeah, we'll, you, I'll just be strung along. I'll string you along or this and that. Like, you know, I've been on both sides. You know, I've done the string and I've been strong. And it's like, shit, it's not fun on either side. <laughs> you know, and it's, I'm, I'm sure you probably have had some situations like that too, where it's like, you know, you, you try to be this gentleman, this person that, like, your parents raised you to be or or showed you what it's like. And I don't want to say just as a man, but, like, obviously I can't speak for women, but it's like, you know, your, your parents kind of give you this idea or this, what you, what you should be doing or how you should be treating people in any, anything, like, work or dating. And then, like, you do these things and then you're met with, like, no success. Or it's, like, unappreciated or underappreciated. Or it's weird. I hate to say it like this, but sometimes it's overappreciated. And you're like, Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I don't know how I feel about this. Usually it doesn't work. And now it's working a little too well. I don't know if I like this whole appreciation thing, but it's just interesting how like some of the advice works really well. And some of it's just like, you do it. And it's just like, whoa, like somebody brought up the idea that you should bring the girl's flowers. Like every time you see them or like every first date, which is like, you know, girls love flowers. It's definitely a great gift. But as I was talking to people my age, I was like, like, how would you feel if a guy brought you flowers like on your first date? Every time he saw you, and they're like, it's kind of weird. And it's just like the social norms of things are like gift giving is cool after a certain point. But like, I'm saying the old days, like our parents' generations and, and forward or backwards, I guess, was like, you need to bring them something or you need to like bring their parents something. It was like, this token of like, look at this, I'm a good person. But nowadays it's just like, yo, if you just show up and pick me up, girls are like, I'm already a step ahead. You know, you get them flowers later and this and that, but like, you know, first time I met my girlfriend's mom, I got her flowers. Cause I was like, Oh, it's my first time meeting her. I want to make a good impression. It's something that's small, but it's an act of like, I care and value that I'm meeting you for the first time. And you're this woman that's like the mother of this girl that I'm dating. And we'd only been dating for like, six seven months whatever it was at that time and so it's like i haven't gotten her flowers since but at some point i will get her flowers again i don't like ruin the surprise mary if you're listening but 
you know, it's just one of the things where it's like certain things are acceptable. It's like you got to read the room. You can't just be popping up at girls' houses for the first time like, yo, I got your flowers. And they're like, why? Why would you do that? Because our generation of girls are not used to that kind of like service or treatment. And so it comes off as weird. Kind of like the whole double text thing. It's like, yo, I just really want to talk to you. And they're like, oh, they're clingy. They sent me two texts. I don't like that. It's like, no, no, I just want your attention. I'm just trying to like show effort. People are like, eh, I don't really like that. Or it's, you know, that you don't text enough. I'm just like, what can I call you? It's like, hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't call me. Don't leave a voicemail. You know, I, I know a guy who uh, called a girl and she didn't answer. And he asked her out over a voicemail. And I was like, dude. I was like, I need to just ask this girl out over a voicemail. He's like, oh, yeah, I did. She didn't answer her phone, so I left her voicemail. I immediately text like three people I knew that were like my age or girls. I was like, yo, if a guy asked you out of voicemail, what would you do? They're like, block them immediately delete the number they're like that is anybody that leaves a voicemail besides my grandparents and my parents they're like they're getting blocked right away i think it is crazy how like certain people specifically females have different expectations of like hey here's like the base level of how i expect to be treated and then hey here's like the like oh he you know this is like trying to be more than friends and i only say that because it's like the last person i was talking to this year I was very much raised to like honor and respect women and to like serve women and to be a great guy, which I know, you know, you were as well. And I don't know if she just wasn't raised that way or just had some really like crappy like guys in her life. But I remember the first time I was just like, Sinner just this like, hey, I know you have a big day at work. I just want to remind you like what an amazing person you are and like how gifted you are at your job. And like, I just think it's so special the way you serve other people. And she was just like, whoa, 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 like, that sounds like a lot. Like, I didn't think we were at that point. And I'm just like, I would say that to any one of my friends that are just girls of like, hey, I hope you have a great day. And yeah. I think you're amazing at your job. And it's really, I really admire what you do for a living. So I just think it's like really interesting how we're in this society. And again, I think it's, it just goes back to like, there's, you're inundated with so many experiences or there's so much media, be it social media, be it movies. There's all these like preconceived notions about how we're supposed to act. And I hate that because like I, I remember so early this year, like here's another kind of example that if you're listening to this, you're either going to have this reaction of like, wow, that's creepy or like, oh, that's cool. Was like, I felt like led to like send a voice memo to like every person in my phone. Mm-hmm. And, and just like, a, I just want to be in this year of like disconnection, both as a good friend, but also selfishly as like, Hey, I'm kind of craving connection and so it was just like dropping, like if I was really good friends with someone, it was like probably three or four minutes. If I was like, Hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. It was like just 60 seconds of like, Hey, I, you know, Justin, I saw that you posted this really cool thing on, you know, your Instagram of you painting or whatever. I think that's so cool. I'd love to catch up some time, learn more about that. And it was just crazy to me, like the different varying responses that I got back from people. Oh, like, I bet. I bet it, it was night and day. Yeah. And, and it was just weird to me again, how it's just like certain people have this like unspoken like rule of like, Hey, like a lot of like the friends that are girls that I sent that to either were like, Hey, I think that's a little much that you said that or someone like, Oh my gosh, like, you don't, you know how much that meant to me. And, and it was varying from like people that I expected were going to, that I was actually like continually talking to on like a weekly basis. I was like friends. Mm-hmm like never responded. But then some of the people I hadn't talked to in forever were like, you don't know how much this encouragement meant to me. And so it's just funny how we're all in this different spectrum. But I think the, the net takeaway, and then we'll close out this episode, at least from everything we just talked about this last kind of question was, I feel like, you know, you talk about that J Cole song and it's, you know, it, it reminded me of, I was texting um, this girl the other day that I'm like, I guess you could say like talking to, or what have you, um, very much in the talking stage, not in the dating stage. I was say, have you been on any dates no, yet? No, not yet. But All right, we'll call it talking. We, uh, she's out of town, so we've been talking for a few weeks. But she like brought up this thing of like, well, on dating apps, like, why would I just talk to one guy when I could talk to like many guys? And it kind of goes back to that idea again of like, even the person that I was like seriously actually talking to that went on many dates, you know, a few months ago that she was kind of that same thing of like, why would I just commit to one person? And like, what if I commit to the one wrong person? And she was saying this to me. So it was kind of like hurtful because I'm like, Hey, I, I want to commit. But, uh, you know, she was like, what, you know, what if I commit to the wrong guy? And then like the guy I'm actually supposed to be with is there. And I feel like that that is a thematic or a feeling or a thought that we're all going to forever have, unless we learn to 
enjoy the process. And so I, I feel like if you take anything away, well, there's many things I hope you take away from listening to Justin share some awesome knowledge bombs in this episode, but it's that we have to stop chasing these destinations in life, whether that's becoming CEO, uh, dating a girl with this many followers or that looks like this or has a certain workout routine or, you know, dating a guy with a beard or, you know, we're all chasing these destinations because we think it's gonna make us fulfilled and happy. But at least for me and my experience, when I've kind of stepped away and only because I have reached certain destinations that I thought I was supposed to have, and particularly me turning 30, uh, in a, you know, next year as I'm realizing like, Hey, all these destinations, I thought I was going to be happy if I achieve, like none of them ever come true is that you really have to enjoy the process and that's what's going to keep you committed. That's what's going to, you're going to be able to combat FOMO or combat the like, well, shouldn't I just go upgrade my significant other and get the next hotter, smarter, whatever version of this person. But it's, it's learning to enjoy that process of like overcoming those difficult days with that person or, you know, truly staying late at your job and, you know, having a customer write a thank you note or, you know, whatever it is. And so I feel like that's, I hope that everyone takes that away is like, learn to love the process and not the destination. And like, it's kind of something I live by is like, there is no finish line. Like it's a, it's a cheesy saying. And like, it's even in my Instagram bio. Cause it's, you know, what I want people to think about or why it's kind of more of a billboard or banner for my life is just like, I think about it how like if we all were like training for a race, then it's kind of like this destination or this finish line, both literally and figuratively in that scenario. It's like we all get fit and then we like train every day, couch to 5K. We run the race and then what do we do? We immediately are like, I'm never running again. I'm taking a two-month hiatus. We get out of shape. And so again, there's so many dangers of like chasing this like destination or this point that we want to get to rather than just like, hey, there's no finish line in this relationship. Sure, we could break up, but I'm never going to stop respecting you. I'm never going to stop caring about you there's no you know finish line in this job so all that rambling to say is i hope you guys took a lot away from this episode i know i uh loved having you on obviously we've had many conversations much longer than this this year because we live together but every time (laughs) every guest gets the same question um on the no more zero days podcast and again a zero day is where you get nothing done towards accomplishing your goal or dream for your life be it a relationship, be it to become a regional manager, be it to become Picasso, be it to become the next, you know, great Christopher Nolan filmmaker. But so the question I have for you is what advice, and I'm leaving it open-ended, you can answer this however you want in any metaphor, in any actual saying that you want or setting you want to, is what advice would you give to someone who's stuck in this zero day mentality where, meaning they're not getting anything done towards their goal and they're, you know, overwhelmed by fear or they have FOMO or they have something that's keeping them from, taking that first step towards pursuing a side hustle, pursuing their not side hustle, like the real hustle or relationship. What piece of advice do you want to leave your stamp or your personal name on, you know, for that imaginary person? I think one of the, one of the biggest things, if I could, if I could give somebody advice, it's like, like, what do you, what do you have to lose? It's like, if you're, if you're feeling down or if you're just getting started, whatever it might be, you know, if you, aren't talking to any girls right now, if you're a girl not talking to any guys right now, or whatever it is, you have no job. Hypothetically, you are at the bottom of where you are. I don't want to say in life because that sounds way too dramatic. But you're, you're at the starting line of whatever race you're going to start. And all you have to do is take the first step. And for me, out of college, I applied for a post-grad internship making $13 an hour. And basically they were like, we have Raleigh, Cary, Newburn, and Nashville. And I was like, man, never been to Nashville. When's the next time I can do that? I'm like, oh, I'm single. I'm young. I got nothing to lose. You know, it's a three-month internship guaranteed. And then maybe I transfer back to Raleigh. You know, maybe I go to Newburn. Maybe I go to Asheville, whatever it is. And I literally packed up my Tahoe at the end of June with my bed, a shelf. Couldn't bring my TV because it didn't fit like all my clothes and then literally sold a canvas in Raleigh on my way to Nashville that I then used for gas money to get the rest of the way here. And I moved into a house with a guy I met on Facebook and another guy that I just hoped was cool. Cause I hadn't heard of him. Like I just didn't even know who he was. That was that being Lee super cool guy. And then you end up replacing him also another great guy, but it's just like, I just took that chance. I was like, if all else fails in three months, I either did well enough to get a job here or I transfer back to Raleigh 
or I move back home and get a job there. And it's like, in most cases, I don't want to generalize everybody, but you have something you can fall back on, especially if you're in a place where you've already started your life professionally or creatively or whatever it might be. There's something you can fall back on. Like you're, you've already been at the bottom and at your very lowest. All you can do is go up. And if anything, you fall back to where you are, but you're going to bounce back forward. Just like if you're bouncing like a trampoline or whatever it is, or whatever it is, you know? And so it's just like, really take that chance and embrace it and embrace the fear and embrace the challenge and just go for it. Like I went on what was essentially a blind date with a girl from Tinder, you know, in these days you're just hoping you'll get catfish, which is realistically one of our favorite shows to watch together. But it's like, now I've been dating this girl for almost two years and like, I really do care for this girl. And it's like, that's the first girl I've ever like asked out on a date, like officially, like, will you be my girlfriend? But it's like, you have to send that message on Tinder. And it's like, boom, that's one goal. And then you keep the conversation going. Then you get a number and then you're like, okay, that's another goal. And so one thing as advice is like, my mom always taught me write things out in a planner. You know, you have to be organized because my mom is way more organized than my dad, but she uses the planner for everything. She organized everything. So like in school, it'd be like, okay, you know, after class, I would look at, okay, from four to five, I'm going to go to the library. Five to five thirty, I'm going to go to Starbucks, take a phone break. And then five thirty to six, I'm going to do my math and whatever it is, organize these goals and write it on a paper. Because when you have something physically on paper, not the notes app in your phone, not a text message to somebody, not just in your head, when you have it written down on paper, post that thing on your wall, you know, set dates, write down your goals, figure out like you can, you can do it any way you want. It doesn't have to be get a new job, get promoted, become the CEO, like make it something realistic where you can check it off. Like apply for three jobs, interview at two places, get accepted to one, you know, however you want to word that. And then in three months, I want to learn this, you know, and and really write out your goals, embrace the hustle, embrace the challenge, you know, really indulge yourself in what is this going to take and give yourself time to see the success because nothing's going to be quick. You know, even going back to sports, like I come from a basketball family and you're never going to become a good shooter unless you put up a couple hundred shots a day. I didn't do that. My brother did. He's on a division one scholarship. I just have a regular college degree, but I put in my hours in the classroom so I could graduate in four years in the summer session, you know, and he puts in his hours at the gym so he can get his school paid for and get his degree. You know, so it's like embrace what you're doing, write down your goals and then get after them and like never be afraid to ask for help. You know, it's, there's more people in your corner than you think. And I say that cause like I just had my birthday and at the end of the day, every, every year I go through and read all the Facebook posts. Like I don't read them throughout the day. Like I'll clear all the notifications and end of the day, I'll go through and read every single message somebody sent me on there, everything somebody posted and really just look at like who took the time to write a message or reflect on the memory or, you know, send a text or a little GIF, whatever it is. And just like, wow, like I was even getting a message on LinkedIn and it's like, all these people took the time out of their day to wish me a happy birthday. They're in my corner, have my back for anything. And it's people that like, I haven't talked to in years, but it's just that simple little act is like, I know they still got my back and I could reach out to them and ask them a question or ask them for advice. And it's like, when you look at relationships, this is something I really thought about last night when I was talking on the phone, with my dad is like, it's kind of like the last thing I'll say is like, when you look at, your, your circle or who you involve yourself with. Everything is relationship. Every person you meet is a relationship. Like our relationships, like, Hey, we both pay rent. We both get to live here, but it's like, there's also the friendship. There's also the, the therapeutic aspect of like, I can bring stuff up to you. You can bring stuff up to me. You know, we can share ideas. We can play Xbox together. We can, you know, share Gatorade, whatever it is. Like everything is a relationship and everything's a give and a take. And you see, they're like, parasitic or whatever the other one where it's like you're, you're sharing things. And so it's like, if people are going to take things from you, you're equally allowed to take things from people, but it's not always a take. You're also giving these things to people. So it's like, use your resources 
and like get stuff done ask people questions like more people are willing to help you than you think like i can ask anybody at work a question or for help on something and they'll jump on it because they know that i would do the exact same thing for them so it's like literally just ask people questions and like get stuff done and like i don't want to say message me if you need advice we need motivation but like if you're like dude i'm not motivated how can i help all right can you help me out i'm like yeah get your shit done you know i'm gonna get straight to the point just like but then realistically once we broke the ice you know somebody messaged me like that it was like hey justin like i really need help with this like you know, i have a message to girl on linkedin yesterday from the beginning of the summer that called us about an internship i was like hey like just want to see how things are going you know i i know i've got to answer your message earlier like i totally thought i did i apologize for that like what's going on with you and if i could offer that girl a job today i would because like she hit me back within like an hour but it's like that's just somebody i had a, a 10 minute phone conversation with but like i'd be in her corner you know just because the way she handled herself you know i'd help her out you know and there's there's more people like that than you think everywhere all walks of life your friends your parents friends your friends of friends somebody that knows somebody like you're you're not alone in anything which sounds way deeper than it should be but you know maybe it is that deep you know you you got people that are willing to help you out and want to see you be successful